Hi, everyone. You're listening to Meet the Masters only on Wedding Podcast Network. I'm Holly Ehrlich, and today more and more couples are opting to go eco-friendly. So we invited green wedding veteran and environmentalist Kate L. Harrison, founder and CEO of the Green Bride Guide, to share creative ideas and resources that will help you plan an earth-friendly wedding. Weddings are a big business with a huge environmental impact. And according to Brighter Planet and Kate's interviews with green wedding planners, the average wedding produces 400 pounds of garbage and 63 tons of CO2. Kate is dedicated to saving the planet. And today, we're going to find out how to conserve for your wedding and always. Hi, Kate. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. And, and I'd love for you to tell all of our listeners about your background and what inspired you to write the Green Bride Guide book and then launch the website, thegreenbrideguide.com. The whole project started when my husband and I got engaged in 2006 and we're planning our wedding for the fall of 2007. And what I discovered at that time, we were both in graduate school at the Yale School of Forestry, and, and we just wanted to have a wedding that was in line with who we were and what we believed in. And what I discovered was that it was so much harder to go green in planning a wedding than I thought it should be. And I spent a very long time uh, just doing research online and reading books and articles and really trying to find every single possibility to green your wedding, and I wanted to put it all in one place. So that was the Green Bride Guide book, and it came out in December of 2008 with Sourcebooks. And it was really meant to be a guidebook, a how-to from start to finish, from engagement to honeymoon with options in every category by price. Um, you know, really something that you could take into the field with you, so to speak, and it had questions in the back to talk to local vendors. And at that time, when the book came out, I realized that the wedding market was starting to kind of catch on to the larger trends in America, and, and everyone was starting to think about going green, and it was becoming very popular, and more and more companies were offering eco-friendly options. So I really wanted to create a place where couples could go on and see pictures and stories to inspire them could connect with new vendors that were coming online every day and also connect with local resources in their community. So that's when I launched the greenbrideguide.com. Well, I loved the book and I totally agree. It is chock full of information. It is a wonderful, handy reference guide. It is a very easy read and it makes it very easy in the whole planning process. But I'd love for you to tell, because I, I remember um, uh, reading... Uh, the New York Times article, How Green Was My Wedding a Few Years Ago. I mean, I, I'm a master clipper of everything wedding, and especially in the New York Times style section. And it's funny because it's such a treat to be able to be having you here with us person to person. And, you know, you did plan your own green wedding. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your own green wedding and why it was so important to design it that way. Yeah, um, <laughs> my husband and I, I think... We, you know, we really went above and beyond for our own wedding, mostly because it became sort of a challenge for us. You know, I wanted to see how green we could make it. And there were still parts of my wedding, despite everything that we were trying, that we just couldn't get a green form of. And so I talk about that process in the book and sort of being realistic and making compromises. But for our wedding, um, 
I'm trying to think. Well, we started by making our own invitations, and they were all done on recycled paper. And I used paper stamps instead of plasticized stamps, and we really got down into the details. Where do you uh, get? Ch- where do you? Yeah. Get, where can you get those things? So, because I'm just curious, is that available at the regular post office? They are available at the post office, but the best place to get them is on eBay. Okay. People sell lots of mint stamps, so stamps that haven't been canceled from, I mean, starting from, you know, the 1900s going forward, and you can get these lots at at reduced face value. So you actually save usually 10 to 20% off the cost of your postage by buying it on eBay. And also you get this sort of wonderful color and variety. And my, my husband's a historian. So it's fun to have all these kind of cool vintage stamps on the, on the cards. Great tip. So we chose the, the biggest impact of a wedding is the location because that's where most of a budget is spent. It's spent on food and the venue. So we tried to choose a location that was central to the majority of our guests. That's an easy way to decrease the carbon footprint of an event. And we, we chose a place that was connected to the land. So it was a beautiful golf club, but they were a green golf club, and they used all of their um, – the produce and all of the meat was sourced in the Hudson Valley. It was all organic, and it was all really fresh and fantastic. So it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful meal and a beautiful location. Well, let me ask you, Kate, because now you threw out a couple of terms. Yeah. Um, let's talk – because, you know, I have to say I think that that's where we all want a better understanding, you know? So let's be green 101 for a minute, okay? Okay. So you said carbon footprint. What is that? So anytime we do anything that involves driving or turning on the lights, anything that uses power or electricity, we're producing carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. And that's what's heating up the planet and causing global warming. So when you talk about how how much you're contributing to global warming, the term is your carbon footprint, how much carbon dioxide you're putting out. And you mentioned that on the site, I, I say that the average wedding produces 63 tons of carbon dioxide. And I think it's really hard for couples to understand how much that is. You know, what does 63 tons mean and what does it look like? So I often try to put it this way. The amount of carbon dioxide that weddings in the United States produce every year is the equivalent of 23.3 million cars on the road for a year. So the impact is gigantic. Well, thank you for that that insight because that pretty is it's scary yeah. <laughs> when you think about how really uh, about such an impact. Yeah, but there are there are many ways to decrease it. So that so the biggest contributor to that is flying. Anytime we fly, because way planes are up high in the atmosphere, it, it actually has a more more effect than just driving. But you know, driving your car. And so transportation in general, and, and when you choose a wedding location, by choosing one where the majority of your guests can get there pretty easily or can carpool or you set up you know, something, a transport system for them, it's near public transportation, that's a great way to reduce the overall impact of a wedding without sacrificing anything. Well, and you also mentioned organic, and I know, you know, more and more people are more familiar with that because most supermarkets today all have even an organic section if we don't go to an organic only destination to purchase our food. But tell us a little bit about even what organic means, because like, why should we be more conscious and conscientious of it being local or organic or natural? 
First of all, you raise a really important point. There are a lot of words that we use to describe being green. Natural is one you hear a lot, and actually natural is not a term that's regulated. So whenever you see the word natural, it can mean nothing. Uh, which is pretty scary. So I always encourage couples to look for certifications that have something behind them. And USDA Organic is one such program. So anything that has any produce that has the word organic or any food that has the word organic on it is being highly regulated by the government. And it means that you know, generally speaking, they can't use pesticides. There's some natural pesticides, so that's not 100% accurate, but it, it tends to be not no synthetic pesticides, fertilizers, um, you know, other, other things that are going to harm sort of human health and the environment. So organic food is also, there are a lot of studies that show that it's, it's healthier for you, that the way that the food absorbs minerals in the soil is better for you. So there are a lot of health implications, both what you're not getting and also what you are getting by choosing organic. And the second thing you mentioned was local, which is a really important piece of it because, again, it comes back to transportation. So if you're buying organic food grown in South America, it's going to be better for you and for the environment, but it's still being shipped in from overseas, so it's going to contribute to global warming. So if you could find local produce that's grown in your what's called a food shed or, you know, like a watershed, your area, basically a hundred mile radius of where you are, that's the best choice. Well, I appreciate all that information because I know these are the, the key words. And to me, this is not a trend anymore. This is here to stay. So, you know, you've come on the scene in a really big way with the Green Bride Guide. And like you said, there are a lot of other products and services that are out there that are green that you want to share with couples getting married. But, you know, another word that comes along a lot that I guess I, I would personally like uh, clarification is what does sustainable mean? That's another one that really isn't, it doesn't mean anything, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, sustainable as a concept is that the things we're doing now don't impact the long-term survival of the planet. I mean, that's what it means. But in terms of a product being sustainable, it's, it's a hard claim to make. Maybe, maybe we can reuse it. You know, <laughs> yeah. maybe getting back to the basics of three R's is really, because very often it, that's been the definition right Ab is absolutely and and the truth and, and looking at things as a life cycle what they call life cycle analysis so looking at where the products that you're using are made how they're made and what they're made with is the key thing so this goes back to my example of the organic you know produce from south america the fact that it's not grown here does impact its sustainability overall i remember years ago when it was so important to start looking at a nutrition label. So I guess now we need to go one step further, not only with our food and what we intake in our lives. We're talking now about the air around us and we're talking about how we can make a difference. So ultimately, we do need to know, be, educate ourselves a little bit more. And it's not that hard. It's not going to take that much more time to be more aware of what's going on around us and how things are used. And I guess that brings me to, because you know, from your own personal experience, you made sure that your products or services in your location were quote unquote green, right? So how does a couple know that they're working with a bona fide green vendor committed to practices to protect the environment? Like, you know, and then another word that I learned, which I had never heard of from you, Kate, okay, and in a couple of areas is greenwashing, which is obviously something to be aware of. So 
try to connect those dots for 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 all of us. So so we're we're much like caveat emptor, right? I mean, let the buyer beware, right? We we need to be aware and beware of of certain people that are claiming to be green but really aren't. It's becoming, unfortunately, a larger problem as many companies are trying to move in on what they see as the green trend, and they're labeling products that really aren't green as green. And it, I try not to give uh, name names, <laughs> but I can give an example, which is that uh, I recently saw a T-shirt that said uh, organic baby on the front, but if you looked at the inside of the T-shirt, it was not made out of organic cotton. So, you know, they were, it was sort of a joke, organic baby, but at the same time, I felt like it was fairly misleading because the colors of the shirt were this sort of green and it had that organic feel, but really it was not a green product. So that's not in the wedding space, but there are a lot of products like that in the wedding space that you have to be careful of. And we are absolutely scrupulous on the Green Bride Guide site. Every single company that we work with has to go through a screening process. And that process, if you go into our vendor directory, the answers that they give as part of that survey are part of their profile. So you can really see, you know, the idea is transparency, that you as a consumer can see why that company identifies themselves as green, what practices they are doing at a company-wide level. And on a product level, I have everything tagged out by what material is it made out of, what eco-strategy is it using, so is it a recycled you know, product, is it a fair trade product, um, so that you can sort of sort and see what, what you're getting. But generally speaking, you really do want to read labels and you have to be very careful. And, and part of it is just consumer education. I mean, you, you just mentioned you know, that, that the buyer beware, and a great example, I think, of greenwashing in in weddings is with the word recycled. And it's not just in weddings, it's in all paper products because recycled paper seems like a great idea. It sounds it sounds very green. What could be more green than recycled paper? But the word recycled, again, is not exactly a regulated term. So a company can just pick up the scraps of paper after they've cut out their square and put the scraps that didn't fit into that square back into the machine on the other end, which is something they would do anyway. And that's called recycled paper. So you want to look for paper that is post-consumer waste recycled paper, so PCW paper. And that's the paper that actually went to our houses into the recycling bin and is going back and becoming paper, the true form of recycling. So part of it is just learning about some of the terms to look for when you're shopping. Well, I think someone who's serious about make, you know, being having a green wedding, an earth-friendly wedding, I think is going to take the time to do that. And quite frankly, I'm looking at the very beginning of your book. And you have, there is a stamp right inside um, after the dedication to my family, old and new, um, right at the bottom from uh, ancient forest friendly, you know, trees we save for our forests and preserving our environment. It really matters. And it is very cool to see how we can identify it a little better. And I just for people to be aware again of the differences. But, you know, you mentioned another word. I'm going to have to go back for you to define it. Fair trade. What's that? Okay. So fair trade is one of those terms that um, it is regulated. It's regulated by, not by the government, but by third-party certifiers. And it's not necessarily green. So I consider it to be green. Some people don't, which is one of the reasons why I have it as a tag word. You can sort by, you can decide whether or not you 
think of it as green. Uh, but the idea behind fair trade is that uh, people in developing countries who produce most of the goods that we use every day often aren't treated very fairly, right? And they're not provided a living wage. And so the fair trade movement really grew up around the idea that money that we're spending on our goods should go mostly to the people who are making those goods and allow them to live above the poverty line in the countries that they're living in. So it's mostly focused on wage labor, um, but there is a fair trade component, which is that those products need to be environmentally friendly and they have their own criteria for, for what that means. But I encourage anybody who's interested to take a look at the Fair Trade Federation, who's one of our partners, and they do a wonderful job of explaining sort of the ins and outs of fair trade and why fair trade is a great alternative. Um, I, I want to go back to the um, uh, something that's crucial, I think, and, and very important in general for planning any wedding and definitely for planning a green wedding and something that was from your own personal experience, which quite frankly is another reason I think I really love the book and the website so much because... Oh, thank you. <laughs> you well, the reason is, is because you brought... You, you're there. You know, it is, it, 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 it is genuine from cover to cover and, and what you see. I enjoyed going on the website and seeing real green weddings, which is... Uh, something I think our couples want to hear about other people's experience and, and how they did it. And I loved looking at your photos and, and, and along with the photos, how you explained what you did in each of those photos. So it's a nice glimpse to, to, to look at how you did what you did. But I think something very important is communication. And I thought it was interesting in the book when you said the importance of communicating a vision. I'm going to let you tell the story. And, and I think, I don't know, maybe I was drawn to it because I have a Prius. So I think that um, I love when you said this section could be called 13 Priuses, one folding bike and a stretch SUV limo. So why don't you share that story? Because I, I found it quite amusing. <laughs> sure. Uh, this is like I was saying earlier, no, despite your best intentions, sometimes things just don't work out. And one experience we had at our wedding was we, we really made efforts to tell our guests about what we were doing. We put information up on our website. We put information in our invitation. You know, we really you know, spread the word about the plan. And so everybody really tried to to step it up a little bit and be extra green when they attended our wedding, which was which was great. And well, wait, so, let me ask you, how, yeah. how did you let your guests know about the, oh. that you were going green? Because I think that's something we all need to know. Do, do, should the guests know? And if so, how do you tell them? I definitely think guests should know. There are, uh, on average, 160 guests at every wedding, and there are 2.2 million weddings a year. So that's 350 million people attending weddings every year, and there are only 300 million people in the United States. So if you think about it, everyone's attending at least pretty much one wedding a year. Mm. And so I really see weddings as an opportunity to educate your guests about the green choices you're making and have that seep into the rest of their lives. I mean, it's, it's a really nice time, not in a preachy way. And I talk a lot about that in the FAQ on the site. People are always worried that they're going to come off, you know, seeming like they're beating their guests over the head with the green. But a lot of the green choices that you make are things that nobody would notice unless you let them know that they're green. So I think a wedding is a nice place to showcase that you can be eco-friendly and really elegant at the same time. Um, that said, an easy way to do it is on the wedding website itself. Most couples now have a wedding website. 
you know, we just put up one of our tabs along with our registry and our pictures and the directions and all the other things. We just had a tab on what we're doing for our wedding. You know, that's green. I can't remember what we called it, but, you know, our green practices or something. And it just listed some of the items that they can look forward to seeing at the wedding and some of the things we're doing for our honeymoon and, you know, a little little bit of, of what to expect. And we also encouraged guests to carpool and sort of had other initiatives going that were green. At the wedding itself, we put on the back of the program uh, information about the recycled uh, paper content and asking guests to also recycle the brochure after the event on the seating cards uh, on the inside of the seating cards at the tables at our wedding we put information about carbon offsetting so we had a cute little picture of a guy rowing a boat from an old map that we used you know, the name of the person and then on the inside it just said in lieu of in lieu of gifts i'm sorry in lieu of favors we've decided to offset the carbon emissions from the travel for our guests. And it had a little bit of information about how we did that and what that was. So it was very subtle and it was not in your face, but it gave guests who were interested the opportunity to learn more. And probably uh, being that you're both environmentalists, it probably wasn't that too much of a surprise. To yeah, your, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> to your circle. Um, um, I do but, think a wedding website is a wonderful way to share information without it, you know, without it being too much for anybody to handle. Yeah, and they can always not open the tab if they're truly not interested. But most guests I found were really excited about the idea. And now going back to the 13 Priuses, a folding bike Thank and a you. stretch SUV. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had a lot of guests uh, rent Priuses or come in their Priuses, carpooled. We were fairly near the train station, so they were able to come over uh, that way. And I had a friend who actually came in from California, flew in with a folding bike, took the train, and then biked over to the wedding. So I was absolutely delighted about that. And my husband had arranged for what was supposed to be biodiesel uh, shuttles to move guests. We had two properties that were two miles apart, so just to shuttle people between them. So what pulls up instead well, a stretch SUV Hummer limo, which is about the least green vehicle you can imagine on earth. And to make matters worse, it had a leopard print interior and mirrors on the ceiling. So this was really a non-green moment. And I was quite embarrassed and upset, but it was ultimately our fault because what had happened was the vendor that we had worked with you know, we hadn't really communicated why we had wanted these other shuttles and how important it was to us. And so at the last minute, they had decided, wouldn't it be much more elegant and fun for them to have the Hummer instead of the, the buses? And some couples may have been thrilled. Right. Some may have been thrilled. My friends thought it was hilarious and we did get some good pictures, but it was uh, a fail in terms of having a green wedding. So another thing that happened at our wedding that I talk about in the book was that um, we had these chargers that we had borrowed from my brother's wedding that we were reusing. And after the dinner, um, the caterer put them into a trash bag, collected them and put them into a trash bag for us to pick up. Well, we didn't realize they were going to be in a trash bag. We had brought these big Tupperware containers to put them in. And so they ended up going into the dumpster and, and 
getting thrown away, which was a, it was really very unfortunate. They were quite beautiful and, and it was just a huge waste. So I think it's, it's really important to speak with your vendors about what you're doing. Make sure you have them on board with having a green wedding and, and have them understand why that's important to you so that they can really take charge behind the scenes and make sure that vision unfolds the way that you want it to. But I think that's important. Tell us how do you think would be the best way to attack having a successful cleanup plan? Well, I think the key piece is to have somebody who is the captain of that plan, whether it's a friend or your caterer or florist or the head of cleanup for the venue, whoever it is, you need to get somebody who is directly responsible for making it happen and work with them to figure out, you know, what is available in the area? What can be recycled? Are you going to be able to compost? And these are things that uh, what a green wedding professional should be able to help you with, especially a certified one because they've done the research. But you can do the research too. call the municipal waste, see what you can What's, you know, it, dep- it totally depends on where you are in the country, but doing your research ahead of time and then making sure that if you can recycle, you know, what can be recycled, have a bin there that's separate from it. If you're composting, make sure the kitchen staff who's doing the food prep is putting that food that can be composted aside. So you need to know ahead of time what you want done, make sure everything's separated and have someone who's then is going to actually bring it to the place it needs to go. And, and this is true too, not just of food waste and recycling, but also also the flowers for the centerpieces, uh, leftover candy in your candy dishes if you're doing a candy buffet, favors, anything that can be reused or given away, you know, bring it to a nursing home, have it donated to Goodwill, have a plan in place and somebody who's in charge of executing it. Well, obviously, I think the best way is if you do have an event planner, that that is that must be a top priority with regard, you know, to the end of the party, because very often you don't want to worry um, the bride and groom, you know, with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you want absolutely it needs to all be in place. So tell us a little bit about um, because this is, I think, really cool that you you have a certification program going on with, with, you know, you've collaborated. Um, Tell us a little bit. Yeah, so it occurred to me earlier this year that, you know, for brides, it's really a once in a lifetime event, and that's, it's wonderful and very special. But wedding professionals do, you know, dozens or even hundreds of weddings a year. And so it's really important for wedding professionals to learn about green and learn about ways that they can help couples make those eco-friendly choices and set up things like the composting and recycling. So uh, earlier this year, I came out with a four-week online self-paced certification class for green wedding professionals through the Wedding Planning Institute, something you can do at home, you know, after work that really helps establish those types of plans and connections and resources and also teaches uh, planners how to market themselves as green and explain to couples about different choices throughout every part of the wedding planning process. So it's a nice class both for professionals and also for couples who are really dedicated to going green. It's it's a fun, self-paced uh, online adventure. Well, we'll link to that. And I think that that's something, a great opportunity for uh, brides that are aspiring planners, and we have a lot of event planners that want to further their education or add it to their repertoire. So I think this is a great opportunity to be able to learn more about this part of the business. But I have to say that in so much of my reading, it says that a green wedding really costs more. So you've written in your book that couples can save up to 40% in their wedding expenses. So tell us how. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is all about making creative and smart choices. So one example, you had mentioned earlier that we have to get back to reduce, reuse, and recycle. And it's really that last piece where, where major savings come to play. So the example that I use in the book and from my own wedding is are my shoes. I really wanted to wear beautiful Vera Wang shoes. And uh, currently, there aren't any eco-friendly versions available. So I, I tried to get creative about it. And I thought, how, how can I make Vera Wang shoes be green? And the answer was to buy them once worn. So I got onto eBay. I found a gorgeous pair for $50. They'd been worn once by another bride. I purchased them. I wore them at my wedding. They were fabulous. And after my wedding, I got back on eBay and I resold them for $50. So all I spent on my wedding shoes was the shipping, which I think was somewhere around 7 or $8. And nothing new had to be created and other brides got to experience the same joy of Vera. So, well, you know, look, it was a way to really be elegant and eco-friendly through and through. Well, you look good, you felt good, and you did something good. And that is impressive. And I'm sure that can influence a lot of other brides that are saying, how can I do it? And not only that, you save time, you save money, and you're helping save the planet. Yeah. And there, and, you know, I mentioned eBay, but there are a lot of other companies that are just focused now on the wedding resale market. So in Canada, there's Smart Bride. They're also moving down into the States later this year, uh, next year. And uh, in the States, there's Recycled Bride. So I would check out both of those websites. They have a lot of beautiful things. There's also companies now where you can rent a lot of your wedding. There's a new company out of Boston, I believe, called Rent the Runway that's coming out. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. So you can rent, you can already rent jewelry, you can rent your gown, you can rent these really lavish things that you really don't need to spend a great deal of money on to enjoy. And very often, they're more one of a kind, and you can create your own ensemble, um, unlike going into just your local boutique and saying, okay, I'm going to be a cookie-cutter bride. It can be much more unique and, and individual. Yeah, absolutely. And the other way to save money is to really focus on where you're having your wedding and what the season is. So by choosing local seasonally produced food and flowers, you can cut your budget down significantly. And the example I use here are the flowers we use for our wedding. I was getting married in fall. It was New England. So we used hydrangeas and dahlias. Oh, those are uh, my favorites. Yeah, they're, <laughs> uh, yeah they, were, they were absolutely gorgeous. We grew the hydrangea ourselves. We just, from our neighbors and my parents, you know, we went over, we cut everyone's hydrangeas down at the beginning of October. And uh, the dahlias we purchased at a local flower farm, an organic flower farm for $200. So we saved a couple thousand dollars off of the flowers. And even if you hire someone to do the arranging, you're still going to be saving significant money if you don't have to fly in, you know, pesticide laden roses from South America. Well, you know, I have to say one of my favorite chapters in the book was called The Green Reception. And because if you think about it, that's the thrust of, of most uh, wedding celebration parties. And what I loved is that you wrote, the, there's one part about, um, you know, different uh, centerpiece ideas and, and, and themes. And I love in one, um, on page 151, actually. Um, <laughs> well, there, there are two things on page 151. I like it, throughout the book, you have um, highlighted uh, shaded gray areas. Tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, the, the shaded gray areas are a chance to learn a little bit more about the environmental piece of it. So, 
you know, the skinny on post-consumer waste, um, you know, just uh, something that relates to general green lifestyle, but isn't necessarily for your wedding. So when I'm talking about donations, I have one that talks about recycling eyeglasses. Almost everybody has a few pair of glasses laying around their house, especially a lot of brides get LASIKs for their weddings now. So this is how you can donate those to, you know, eyes for the needy. Simple things like that that you can do or, you know, should learn about to just be green kind of through and through. And, uh, well, I found it very informational. And on the same page, because on that page there was something about balloons, which is obviously a very popular decorative element in parties. So you'll learn a little bit more about balloons. We don't have to tell them now. We got to, they, they can go get the book on page 151. And then you also wrote about the objects art, And I love that because, like you wrote, it's, it's an idea you love, but you didn't get a chance to use at your wedding. Share that idea. Yeah, everyone always asks if you could do your wedding again, what would you do differently? And and one thing I think my husband is a he collects antiques and all sorts of strange, you know, old books and gadgets and just cool things. Um I think that you could think of your centerpieces as being an opportunity instead of just a cookie cutter centerpiece. And, and I loved our centerpieces. They were very beautiful. Actually, he made fountains, so I'm really not complaining. <laughs> but, you know, I think you could have your centerpiece be a collection of things that you love. So if you're a bird collector, for example, have bring out some of that collection and use it to decorate your tables or um, enhance your collection through the wedding planning process. I think it's a chance to cobble together a lot of really interesting elements that are whimsical and and fun and very, very different. And you already have, you know, around your house or your family's house. And we did do this in part um, for our reception flowers. We gathered all of the silver pitchers in, in our family, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, anybody who had a silver pitcher, we had them bring them and they were from all different styles um, and throughout the ages. And we filled them up with the hydrangea and, and the dahlias and they were absolutely gorgeous and every, and some of them were teapots and some of them were pitchers and they were all really different. We didn't buy anything and everyone brought their pitcher home after the wedding. So it's a nice way to just incorporate elements from your life. I love that. I mean, I do. I love photographs. I think there are very wonderful ways yeah. to, to use photographs throughout a party. And, and I think, like you said, when you identify something you really love and to be able to use it at your wedding, and it speaks volumes at a party, people will remember that. It will, they'll learn more about you and they'll say, or they'll say, that is so them. You know, like for you, that was so Kate and Barry. Um, I, I, I love it. I mean, I think um, I often will quiz people now that I'm in the wedding industry, I'll, you know, when they'll say, oh, I was at a wedding last week. I say, okay, well, well, you know, what kind of flowers were on the table? Almost nobody can answer that question unless they are active, you know, actively in the wedding planning process themselves or in the business. They just don't remember. So I think any way that you can come up with something that's original and really true to who you are as opposed to sort of cookie cutter wedding industry, it always makes an impact. I think a cool way also to save, which I thought was a, a very cool idea in your book, which I haven't heard much about, but I think that more uh, women and or couples should go out and start one, is a wedding co-op. I know I've heard about it with food co-ops, but not with a wedding co-op. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I love this idea. It came from the Offbeat Bride um, 
it was just a little one line in her book, but I thought it was fantastic. And and the idea is really that a lot of times people get married in kind of cohorts, that, that six or seven friends will all get married within a year or two of each other. And instead of going out and everyone buying the tea light holders or vases, if you can sort of agree ahead of time, well, we're going to get sort of a couple of generic things that could be really recast again and again, then everybody pays for them. And, you know, everybody pays only a fraction of the cost. And at the end of the wedding co-op, you can resell everything and split the proceeds. So it's sort of like creating a rental amongst your friends. And I think it's a really nice idea. And, and even not among friends. I mean, I think you could get on Craigslist or one of these other meetup services, these blogging uh, communities and, and find people in your area who'd be willing to share things. Yeah, like you, you create your own warehouse and, and you become the go-to place to, yeah. to, to rent props and, or, or to share. Really more. Yeah, and, and even if you don't have a full co-op, I mean, we were able to get vases from friends who just got married. Like I said, we used my brother's chargers. We used uh, wine glasses from my sister's wedding from 15 years ago. I mean, people a lot of times will get married and then they, they feel like, oh, they should get rid of those 150 tea light holders, but they just don't get around to it and sitting in their basement or attic. So part of it's just asking friends and family members if they have any of that stuff laying around. I think that's a really great idea. Do you think a green wedding has to be an all-or-nothing proposition? Absolutely not. Um, I mean, I, I know, you know, we really tried to make it green mostly as an experiment to see how hard it would be. But my tagline for the website is every choice makes a difference. And I really believe that. And when you have 2.2 million weddings a year, if you could get everyone to just do one green thing for their wedding, it's going to have a huge impact on the environment. So I just encourage couples to start with one thing they think they can do, like choosing a recycled paper invitation or, you know, buying those shoes or whatever it is, um, and then see if they can incorporate one more and one more, but to not feel overwhelmed by it or burdened by it. I, I, I don't think that's the point. Well, if anybody wants to learn about more green alternatives, uh, you know, I learned so much from you today, Kate, I have to say, and, and I have to say you're very generous. We will have a couple of listeners that can be able to get the Green Bride Guide by Kate L. Harrison. There are going to be two copies that Kate is going to sign. And what I would like our listeners to do is to write to us feedback at the WPN.com. And on the subject line, just write Green Bride on the subject line. And then we'd love for you to share ways that you are green for your wedding planning or just in your daily lives. And uh, we'll talk about it in, on an upcoming bridal scene show. But the book, I mean, I could probably talk to Kate for hours. The book talks so much about the registry, the invitation, the dress, the bridal party attire, the wedding ring, the reception, the honeymoon. I mean, there is, is so much information on how to do it. The resources are there. The websites are there. It is indexed in the back. Plus, a lot of this is also available on thegreenbrideguide.com. Thank you so much for being with us, Kate. Oh, thank you so much, Holly. It was really a pleasure. I really do believe that when you choose to incorporate green elements in your event, you increase the demand for sustainable goods and services, you help raise awareness about important environmental issues, and you reduce your impact on the environment. If anyone has any questions about green weddings or about any weddings, we'd love to hear from you. And if you're planning a green wedding, we'd love to hear from you. So either call us on our listener hotline, 800-882-1259, or 
you can email us feedback at the WPN.com. That's feedback at THEWPN.com. Again, you've been listening to Meet the Masters with Kate L. Harrison, the author of The Green Bride Guide and TheGreenBrideGuide.com. I'm Holly Ehrlich, and thanks for listening.